Anyone here remember a time uh, where you, life taught you a lesson about responsibility? Aren't those just like the most fun lessons that you can learn? You're like, no, actually, Chris, I've tried to forget those. I feel like throughout my life, I've been a fairly responsible person, but I have had a few moments in life where I relearned or learned a level of responsibility that I had not yet thought of. Um, one was that I was in, a, in my final year of, of college at North Central University, and the church that I was working at um, the youth ministry that I was that I was interning at and working with, we put on this incredible outreach where we we brought in a guest speaker who was going to go into all of these schools and do school assemblies. And then that Wednesday night, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all 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 three of those days, we were going into schools doing school assemblies, and we we're going to have the same speaker at this at this rally on Wednesday night at our youth group, and uh, it, it was phenomenal. The speaker's name was Reggie Dabbs. Reggie is a legend in youth ministry, a legend as a traveling evangelist. Angeles assembly speaker. I had grown up hearing him at camps, um, had been around a ton of camps and got to know him a little bit by working at some of the camps and got to know him a little bit. But this was a time where I got to spend a lot of time with Reggie because during this trip, during my final year of college, I was told for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was supposed to clear my schedule so that I could be the driver for Reggie Dabbs as he drove from school to school to school. He wasn't going to drive. I was going to drive him. So my 1998 Ford Taurus was going to be the Reggie Dabbs tour vehicle for the, for, for this, for these, these school assemblies. And so we go to the very first one. And again, I'm there. My job as I know it is I am Reggie Dabbs' transport from school to school to school. That's my job as I knew it. Reggie Dabbs had a different version of my job. And so, so my job as Reggie saw it was to do whatever he wanted me to do and occasionally throw me a couple curveballs so that I would have some extra fun and extra responsibility. So I remember we went to the first, the first school assembly. He did the assembly. It was amazing. There was about 400 middle school students. It was phenomenal. Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth, eighth grade students. He, he just, you know, just absolutely did a phenomenal job, closed it down. We headed to the next school. He did a another phenomenal job at this amazingly large high school. It was like 2,300 high school students. It was Lakeville North High School. And I remember that one because in the middle of that one, there were some people heckling Reggie. It was this you know, high school gymnasium, and they had this track that was like a, the second story, and there was these people heckling Reggie from the second floor in the, in, in the, in, in the track. And in the middle of him speaking, Reggie goes, hey, you up there, shut up shut up. And I'm like, whoa, I don't think you're supposed to tell people shut up in the middle of the school assembly. And the person who was heckling him the most yelled down and said, dude, you're just giving me a hard time because I'm black. Now, if you don't know anything about Reggie Dabbs, Reggie Dabbs himself is black. He goes, I'm giving you a hard time because you're black. I'm black. What are you talking about? The whole school erupted. It was phenomenal. Like, I mean, like everyone was busting out in laughter. It was, it was, it was amazing. So that was the second one. The third one was the, was was later that afternoon. We went to this uh, this this large middle school, which is about nine hundred middle school students in the in in this gym. Just I mean, like amazing that again, Reggie just tore it up. Reggie did a phenomenal job. And at the end of it, instead of him closing it down and telling everybody where where you know where about the rally that was coming on that Wednesday night, Reggie goes, "My friend Chris is going to come up and tell you everything about what's going on tomorrow night." And I'm like. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, honestly, I was standing in the back texting the school, the principal of the next school that we were going to. I wasn't remotely paying attention. I wasn't remotely prepared to like go up and talk about what was happening that Wednesday night. 
And so I go up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, like I, I just, I had to speak in front of 900 middle school students for five minutes about here's what's happening, here's what we're gonna have. And I, and I just, I forgot a bunch of the details. I was sweating profusely. And I just I looked up at one point and I saw Reggie in the back just laughing and smiling as I failed miserably at, my, at one of my first, like speaking in front of 900 people, you know, 900 middle school. Like, and so I get to the back, I'm like, Reggie, what, like, what were you doing? Why did you throw that to me with any kind of warning? And I remember him saying to me this line, he said, he said, you travel with me, you better prepared, be prepared for anything. I mean anything. Sometimes I just like to have fun and watch white people sweat. I thought that was amazing. I was like, he even included the fact that I was white. And I was like, we don't look good when we sweat. Anyway, so that was, so that was phenomenal. We're in this series, Friendly, here for a few weeks. And we're talking about our relationships and our friendships, how to build stronger, better, healthier friendships and relationships across our lives. And so far, we've said two things that are really important when it comes to the health and quality of our relationships. Who we choose and who we are. Who we choose and who we are. Who we choose and who we are. We said who we choose is important because we'll become like the people we spend time with and we'll also experience the fruit or the fault of the choices that they make. And that's a big deal. So we want to be careful. We want to choose well. We want to be careful, not casual, with when we pick our people. The second thing that is important is who we are. Who we are matters because you attract who you are. And last week, we unpacked this verse from Proverbs 18 that taught us a man who has friends must himself be friendly. We called it the conditional law of relationships, that the health of our relationships will always hinge on our willingness to be friendly. So I challenged you to be friendly, to be faithful, to be edifying, to be full of empathy, to choose gracious words, and to be a person of forgiveness, because that's the character that Jesus modeled for us as a friend to us. That's how Jesus was as a friend for us, that he modeled as a friend to us. Now, just to give you a preview of where we're going next week, today is smack dab in the middle of this series. This is part three. We're going five weeks with this series. Just to give you a preview of where we're going next week and the week after next week, we're going to talk about boundaries in relationships and friendships. And to wrap up the series in two weeks, we're going to talk about knowing the role of different people in our lives. But today, before we get there, today I want to spend some time talking about that dirty little R word that I brought up at the very beginning of the message today, that word, responsibility. Isn't that a terrible word? Isn't that a terrible word that like, isn't it just one of those words that make you shudder? And the reason you shudder thinking about responsibility in relationships is because, let's be honest, all of us already have enough responsibilities. From the moment that you start taking responsibility to the moment you take your last breath, you will carry responsibility. And while some of us may groan at that because we feel at times we carry too much responsibility, this is actually good news. Responsibility is a good thing. We were created to take and carry and fulfill responsibilities. I would say it this way, responsibility is a good thing, but responsibility is not just a good thing. Responsibility is a God thing. Responsibility is a God thing. God created you for responsibility. He gave you a mind and a body and a will to have and to carry responsibility as well as the ability to actually fulfill every responsibility that you have. God created you for responsibility. So responsibility, it's a good thing. It means you have something to be responsible for. It means you have some people to be responsible to. It means you have a job to be responsible to fulfill. It means you have some finances to be responsible with. It's a good thing, but it's also a God thing. God created us to carry and to steward and to be responsible with things in our lives, which is why there is no stage of life that exists without responsibility. 
There is no stage of life that exists without responsibility. So because we all have a load of responsibilities, we don't really want to think about responsibilities when it comes to our relationships. I mean, we carry relationships through every stage of life, through your student phase, through your college stage, through your after college and you're in your 20s and you're working your first job and you might be single and you might be married and you might have your first kids and you might be a single parent and you might be married and have kids and you might do a lot of things and you might move to a new town and you might be a parent of teenagers and you might be an empty nester and you might be a parent of college students. And through all of the stages of life, every stage of life, you're going to carry responsibility and you'll have responsibilities at work and you'll have responsibilities at home and you'll have responsibilities with with your finances and you'll have responsibilities in a million different directions and because of we all of all of those other responsibilities before we even talk about our relationships we don't really want to think about responsibilities when it comes to relationships the problem with thinking that is with that thinking is that whether or not you think about them, you already have responsibilities when it comes to your relationships. Because just like it's true that there is no stage of life that exists without responsibility, there is no relationship in life that exists without responsibility. And it's possible it's possible that part of the reason some of us have problems in our relationships, in family, in friendships, or romantic relationships, in workplace relationships, in neighborhood relationships, whatever relationships you may have, it's possible that some of the reason that you may have some difficulty in those relationships is because you have some responsibilities that you have not thought about And because you've not thought about them, you are not living up to them. You exist and hope the relationships go well and hope things are peaceful and hope everyone gets along and hope that people are happy with you, but you are not thinking about what you might be responsible for. And if you're not thinking about it, you're certainly not living up to it. And so today... I want to talk about this because the reason I actually bring this all up is that Paul addressed this in the New Testament, this, this, this connection between our relationships and our responsibilities and how every relationship has some responsibilities. Paul actually addressed this in the New Testament in an incredibly short but incredibly powerful statement that he wrote in a letter to the church in Rome. This is in the middle of the same chapter where he famously challenged the Roman Christians to not conform to the patterns of this world, to be, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I think one of the ways that Paul wanted them and certainly wants us to be transformed is in how we think about the health and strength of our friendships and our relationships and to understand that while we may not want to think of that our relationships have some responsibilities that come with them, we actually do have some responsibilities that come with every relationship in our lives. Here's what he wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. He said, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You're like, easy peasy, right? Oh, that, that's all I have to do? I just have to live at peace with everyone? Thanks. That's great. Next, for, for my next act of strength, I will jump off of a mountain with a parachute, without a parachute and hope that I live. Like that's a lofty goal for Paul to lay down and to lay down for all of us to try to live up to. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, if you just take that end and say, that's all we have to do, we just have to live at peace with everyone, that sounds like such an incredible and lofty goal that it is not going to be attainable. But I think what Paul tells us to do when he says live at peace with everyone, I think it's attainable, I think it's achievable, I think it's something we can do when we understand what it means to be at peace with everyone. And to understand what it means to be at peace with everyone, we actually have to back up and go slowly through this verse. So the first thing that Paul says is, if possible, 
if possible. Some of you, and would you right now, while you're at home or in the, in the chat bar, would you say out loud or tap it in the, type it in the chat bar? If possible, on the count of three, one, two, three. If possible. If possible means two things. It means if possible, it means it might not be possible in some relationships. It means peace might not be, living at peace with them may not be possible in some relationships. There are some relationships where peace might not be possible. To be realistic about life, there are some relationships where peace may not be possible. There are some relationships for you that do become or have become incredibly toxic or manipulative or perhaps even have become abusive. And in those relationships where there's actual toxicity and where there's actually actual manipulation going on and where there's actual, you know, where there's currently some maybe codependency or where there's abuse happening, it's possible that peace may not be possible in that relationship with that person for you. And at the same time, here's what I want to make sure that we understand. Paul says, if possible, meaning it may not be possible, but at the same time, don't say it's impossible when it's possible with a little bit of effort. I mean, like, I, I don't like to be this guy, but right now in our culture, it seems like it's really common for us to say something is impossible when it's really just kind of hard and it requires a little bit of work on our part to make it possible or to make it good or to make it healthy or to make there be peace in a relationship. It seems like right now we would rather call others toxic and manipulative and blame the other person as the really reason the relationship isn't possible when really... There's some responsibility that we're not willing to take, or there's some work that we're not willing to do, or there's a step that we don't actually want to take, or there's, or, or there's a, a thing that we don't want to do. We don't want to forgive. We don't want to admit a wrong. We don't want to admit that we were wrong. We don't want to admit that we did wrong. We don't want to actually you know, try to have a relationship with someone that may be on the other side of an opinion that we have. And because we're unwilling to do that, we've called it impossible when our version of impossible is really that it's impossible if we were willing to take the step that we have been unwilling to take. So Paul starts off by saying, if possible, which means it may not be possible, but it also may be possible if you are willing to do something that you have so far been unwilling to do, to take a step that you so far have been unwilling to take. So he says, if possible, if possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, Paul understood that it takes two to tango. Paul understood that it takes two to make a thing go right, and it takes two to make it out of sight. It's a little joke right there. Paul understood that if one person is pursuing peace and the other person wants conflict, you may not ever have peace in the relationship. So Paul says, look, I get it. There are going to be times when you pursue peace and the other person will not have it or does not want it and it is not willing to move in your direction. And in this moment, those moments, you are going to feel like what's the point of even trying? What's the point of even taking that step? What's the point of offering forgiveness? What's the point of owning up to our responsibility if they're not gonna take responsibility and meet us in the middle to make peace? And Paul would tell us, when you feel like it's not even worth trying, it's worth trying to pursue peace anyway. And here's why. You can have peace about a relationship even when there's not peace in the relationship. You can have peace about a relationship even when there's not peace in the relationship. You can have difficulty in the relationship and you can still have peace about the relationship. You can have conflict in the relationship and you can still have peace about the relationship. Paul says there is a way for you to have peace about the relationship even while there may not be peace 
in the relationship. And Paul understood this in ways that I don't know that we can even begin to imagine. Paul, I mean, if you're familiar with Paul's story, if you're not familiar with this story, let me catch you up on Paul's story a little bit. Paul, before he became a follower of Jesus, he spent his time hunting and killing Christians. And then he became a Christian and he didn't just become one. He became like the chief guy going around to all of the world trying to spread the good news of Jesus, which meant for most of Paul's life, he would spend times in rooms with people whose loved ones were not in the room or possibly were not even alive because of Paul's actions in his past life. Can you imagine that tension? Can you imagine that awkwardness? Like, I, I honestly can't. And I would bet that there were people along the way that Paul apologized and apologized and apologized and offered to make some form of retribution and apologize some more, and they could never fully forgive him. I, I, I would just imagine, because that's the way the world works, I would imagine that that happened, that he had tried to make amends, and he had, and he had cried tears with them about what he had done, and he had deeply repented of, of who he had been and what his actions had been, and they could never fully forgive him. So Paul knew what it was that sometimes you have played your part and you have apologized and you've confessed and you've repented and you've tried to make retribution. You have played your part. You have done everything you can to make peace, and there is still not peace because the other person may not be ready to move in your direction and may not be ready for peace. But he knew that you could have peace about the relationship knowing he had done everything that he could to make peace. Even though he couldn't have peace in the relationship, he could have peace about the relationship knowing he had done everything he could do to make peace possible. I remember once hearing a pastor friend talk about this, this about his relationship with his aging dad who was also a pastor that at one point in their, in their relationship, their relationship had become incredibly damaged and broken so badly that they started going to counseling because they hated the fact that their relationship was so broken. This pastor talked about for a few years, they would go to counseling and sit in front of a therapist and not talk, or when they would talk, all they would do was fight with each other. But I'll never forget what he said while talking about that. He said, as long as we were fighting, we didn't like where the relationship was, but I was never worried about the relationship because I knew as long as we were fighting, each of us was doing what we thought was best for the relationship. And as long as we kept doing that, I knew eventually we'd figure it out. Here's what he was saying. Here's what Paul knew. That as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do, as long as you are fulfilling your responsibility, as long as you're playing your part, you can have peace about the relationship even if you may not yet have peace in the relationship, even if you may never have peace in the relationship, you can have peace about the relationship. So here's the question today. Are you willing to do what depends on you? Are you willing to do what depends on you? For some of you, there's something in a relationship you have where there's something that's been eating you up from the inside because you told a lie and they never found out. You told the lie to keep the relationship going or keep the peace or not rock the boat. Maybe it was that you told them that you, were, that you didn't have any more feelings for your ex and you were fine if they asked them out when you weren't fine and you weren't okay with them asking them out. Maybe you told them it would never happen again and it happened again, but you covered your tracks better the next time. Maybe you told them whatever it is that you told them that wasn't true. You may actually have peace in the relationship, but you won't have peace about the relationship until you tell the truth. 
The truth scares the bejesus out of you, but what you know is you don't have peace about the relationship. There may be peace in the relationship, but you don't have peace in your heart. You don't have peace in your mind because you have not lived up to your responsibility as a friend, as a husband, as a wife, as a parent. You have not lived up to your responsibility in relationship to tell the truth. For some of you, it's work relationships. There's a part of your job maybe that you hate, and because you hate it, you feel entitled to slack off on it, and you hope that your boss doesn't find out that you have been skating by on that part of your work. Every time a review of your work comes up or your year-end review is coming, you sweat it out knowing that this is gonna be the time they catch on. You don't have peace and you won't have peace until you own your responsibility in the workplace. That that part of your job that you hate, you either need to let someone know that it, that it shouldn't be part of your responsibility or you need to take it on and actually fulfill your responsibility. For some of you with young kids, you had the kids and life became all about the kids. It's the kids, the kids, the kids, and you forgot to pay any attention to your spouse. And let me tell you what, to single people listening right now, that sounds horrible. That sounds horrible, except that it's incredibly normal. And while it's normal, you know that things aren't what they should be between you and the person that you actually stood up and swore vows to. And inside, you don't have peace and you won't have peace until you do what depends on you. And in a thousand other ways in relationships, are you willing to do what depends on you? Are you willing to do what depends on you? Because until you do what depends on you, you may have peace in the relationship, but you will not have peace inside about the relationship. See, peace is possible for you when you've done your part. And peace is possible for you only when you have done your part, when you have fulfilled your responsibility, when you are fulfilling your responsibility, when you are fulfilling your responsibilities, when you are living up to the things that depend on you. If it depends on you, it means it's gonna fall apart if you don't do what depends on you. Peace is possible for you when you have done your part. And peace is only possible for you when you have done your part. So he says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, are you willing to do what depends on you? As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And do you know who everyone is? You want to know, you know everyone, anyone want to take a guess who everyone is? Everyone is everyone. Everyone is everyone. Everyone is every relationship in your life. Every friendship, every romantic relationship. If you're married, it's your spouse. If you have kids, it's your kids. If you are a child of someone, if, if someone you gave birth to you, it's your parents. If you have a job, it's those you work with. If you are an employer, it's your employees. If you, if, if you are in a neighborhood, it's your neighbors. It's every relationship that you have in life. And to every relationship that we have in life, I would just like to take a moment and, and, and read a few verses of what the Bible speaks to certain relationships in our lives. Because for many of us, it's not just one relationship where we're trying to find peace and establish peace and bring peace. There are many relationships in many different directions. And what we are responsible to at different points along the way in different relationships does look different. It would be easy in life if every relationship just carried the same responsibilities. But in different relationships where you serve different roles, you have different responsibilities. So if you are a child, whether you you are a, a middle school student, a young, a young, younger person, a high school student, a college student, a grown adult. If your parents are still living towards your parents, you do have a responsibility. 
In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Moses recorded this commandment. This is the first commandment given after the Ten Commandments. Paul would later recount this in his, in his instructions to family relationships and family dynamics. In Exodus 20, verse 12, Honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. When we're someone's child, we are given two commands regarding our attitude towards our parents. Honor and obey. Honor and obey. Honor and obey. When you become an adult, obey goes away, but the command to honor never goes away. What depends on you if your parents are still alive? If your relationship is going to have peace, if you're going to live at peace toward them, if you're going to live at peace toward them, what depends on you if you're going to live at peace with your parents in adulthood is that you need to find a way to honor your parents. And for some of us, that comes incredibly naturally. For others of us, that comes very difficult with, with, with a great degree of difficulty because relationships change and there have been difficulties along the way of the relationship. But no matter the degree of difficulty, Moses and Paul and all the authors of scripture all along the way in between say, honor your father and your mother. If you're a child of someone, you your responsibility, what depends on you is honor toward your spouse. If you're a married person, toward your spouse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, Paul wrote this. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. If you're a husband or a wife, this is what depends on you. Husbands and wives, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with your spouse. Husbands, what depends on you is to love your wife. Love sacrificially. Love in a way where you give of yourself for the benefit of your wife. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for, your, for her wives. What depends on you is respect for your husband. You're like, he doesn't always deserve respect. And what's amazing about that is Paul didn't say, respect him when he deserves respect. You, you respect. Respect depends on you, not on him. In the same way that sometimes wives, you may be unloving, husbands are called to love you when you may be a little unlovable. Your husband, you are called to respect even when he may not be the most respectable. Yeah, that sounds difficult, but what depends on you is your willingness to live towards what God instituted and commanded in his word, to love and respect towards your spouse. It's love and it's, and it's respect at work, in your work relationships. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ, as an employee, as an employee, to live at peace with your co-workers and your employers, you are responsible to work as if you're not working for them, but for Christ. You have a responsibility to work harder than you would ever work for them. You work as if you're working for your Savior, the one who freed you, the one who made you new. You work as if you're working to honor Him. And so when you're working for them, you're not really working for them. You're working for your Savior who is, has eyes on you all the time and wants to know what you're doing with your life and with your time and, oh yes, with your work. And to live at peace with your coworkers and at peace with your employers, you need to work as if you're not working for them, but you're working for the one who is above them. You live to honor Jesus. You work in a way that honors Jesus. And in the church, in the church body, in John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13, 
Jesus speaking for the, the last time in the most intimate setting with his followers, with his 12 disciples, he said this, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. This is immediately after he washed their feet. This is immediately after he took off all the, all the robes and all the stuff that, that signified his place of authority and leadership. He humbled himself. He served them. He played the role of a servant and washed their feet, the most disgusting thing that I can think to do for another person. And he said, as I have loved, love one another as I have loved you. Serve one another as I have served you. Humble yourself before one another as I have humbled myself before you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. What depends on you in the family of God, what depends on you in the family of God is that you love not just with your intention, but that you love with your action. Intention is easy. Action takes real love. That you'd be willing to set aside you for a moment to meet someone else's momentary needs. Love sees a need and meets it. That's what love does. Love lays aside me for the benefit of someone else. Love sees a need and meets it. In the church, what depends on us is our willingness to love, not just with words and not just with intention and not just with feeling, but to love with action. And sometimes that action is prayer. And sometimes that action is service. And sometimes that action is really, really humbling. And sometimes that action costs us something. But whatever it may cost us, we are called to what depends on us. And in the church, what depends on us is our willingness to love with our action. And so at the end of the day, what Paul reminds us of, of, he says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And every writer of scripture from Moses to Solomon to David to Jesus to Paul, all of them said, you can have peace in your relationships if you will do what is, in with, what is within your responsibility. Your peace, in other words, about your relationships is your responsibility. Your peace about your relationships is your responsibility. Because if you want peace, you have to live up to your responsibility in every relationship. So with everyone, you may not have peace in the relationship with everyone. But you can have peace about every relationship that you have when you are living up to your responsibility, when you are owning your responsibility, when you are taking and fulfilling your responsibility. And the responsibilities we just talked about, they're going to look different in every different relationship of life. But in every different relationship of life, could we be the people who stand up and say, I'm going to be a person who takes responsibility for my relationships and fulfills my responsibility in every relationship because I want to do what Jesus has called me to do, to if possible, as far as it depends on me, I want to live at peace with everyone. And if you'll take responsibility in your relationships, you will own your responsibility and you can have peace in your relationships and about your relationships that you may have not known for a long time. And that's how we build better and stronger and healthier friendships and better and stronger and healthier relationships and better and stronger and healthier marriages and better and healthier and stronger relationships at work and better and healthier and stronger relationships with our children. We take responsibility. We play our part. And because of that, we know peace that's only possible when we play our part. Let me pray for you.
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace for us. Thank you for your peace that you extend to us, that we have peace with you, not because of us, but because of what you have done for us. Thank you that you played your part when you sent a savior because we had a sin problem that we couldn't save ourselves from. And God, I thank you that, we, that you call us to follow that lead, to play our part and to live up to whatever depends on us. And God, today I pray as we've been challenged by your word, as we've been challenged by Paul's words, as we've been challenged by scripture, God, that every single one of us would have wisdom to know what it is that depends on us in any relationship in our life, in any relationship in our life right now that does not have peace and where we don't have peace about the relationship. I pray that you'd give us incredible wisdom to know what depends on us. And God, that you would give us the courage to begin to take steps to take that responsibility and fulfill that responsibility and live up to that responsibility and own that responsibility. God, may, may responsibility no longer be a word that scares us or intimidates us or makes us shudder, but God, may it be a word that fills us with courage and which fills us with wisdom and ultimately leads us to peace that you have for us as we play our part in every relationship throughout our lives. We love you, God. Help us know what to do with what we just heard and help us to actually do it. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.